Welcome back to the Two Hats Podcast. Had to say it slow, so Brittany ain't talking about me. <laughs> if I say if I say if I try to say too fast, I'll be messing up. So I gotta say it slow. So everybody, welcome back. This is uh, episode number twenty-three. I am Chris, the technical probation officer, and my wonderful co-host is Brittany, your favorite PO. Yeah, that's up for debate, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> So we got a pretty interesting episode for you guys tonight. And uh, the main thing I want you guys to do is after you finish listening to this episode, you need to go over to our Instagram page at Two Hats Podcast over on Instagram, and you need to leave a comment. We'll put up a uh, we'll put up a like a little post about this episode. You guys need to go and leave a comment and telling us what are your likes and your hates. About being a probation officer. Ooh, hey, this so that's what we're going to talk about today. How about a yeah. dislike, a like, and a dislike? Okay, like and dislike. Sure, we can go with dislike. <laughs> Let me write it down. Dislike, because I wrote hate, but dislike's probably better. Yeah. Um, I want to. I want to start by first. I, I I like my job. I like this career. I think this this is what I want to do. Um, this I think is a good fit for me and my personality. Um, the reason I got into probation was because I have an interest between working with people on the social worker side and the counseling side. And I also have interest in law enforcement, holding people accountable, making the public more safe. So probation is perfect. Two hats. Whole point, whole, whole point of the podcast. So that's what I, that's why I like this job. So even the things I say, I dislike, it's not like it's a game changer. It's going to be something recently. I'm going to end up quitting. Nah, this, this is, I'm where I want to be. Until I retire. Not saying I want to move up, you know, be a supervisor one day, but this is what I want to do. So, uh, you got anything you want to add to that, Britt? Yes. Me, on the other hand, uh, I'm not like Chris, you know, I wasn't like, oh, this is going to be my long term career. Um, as you guys know, I, I'm not actively a probation officer and I kind of fell into the job. It wasn't something that I had aspired to do, but once I got into it, I really, really enjoyed it. And y'all know I'm always advocating for people to become probation and parole officers. So my likes and dislikes are just that likes and dislikes that the profession itself. Y'all know how I feel about it. So let's get into it, Chris. All right. So just start. I made two lists because um, everyone knows I was a juvenile probation officer in Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania. So I do have that experience. I did that for uh, five and a half years. So I have a lot of experience with um, juvenile probation, more specifically in that county, how things operated there. So I have the added benefit. Of, I did make two lists, uh, my like and dislikes of when I was a juvenile probation officer. So what we'll do is we'll go ahead and we'll start with um, we're currently – my our list for uh probation officer for adults since Brittany was adult officer i'm currently an adult officer and we'll kind of go from there only the main difference though is Brittany was a regular so probation officer i am currently a probation and parole officer in my state we do both we do uh probation cases and we also do parole slash post-release cases so that's the difference. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and start. With, um, you want to start with likes or dislikes? Dislikes. Let's do it. Dislikes. All right. So my number one dislike, and I know Brittany is going to like scream at the top of her head because she's going to agree with me so much, the paperwork. <laughs> Listen, sure, there's so sure. much. There's so much. Even besides, okay, I understand. When you meet with a client, a defender, probationer, whatever you want to call them, when you meet with them, do you have to document your interactions with them, document, uh, you know, what they said, what you said, you know, if you give them any kind of directives or, you know, kind of give them any kind of warnings, like if you don't get this done, you know, this can be the possible consequence. You got to document all that. I understand all that. Writing narratives is writing narratives. I get it. It's the other paperwork that goes along with it. There's the administrative stuff, stuff you have to do just for the job itself. Then there's um, case management paperwork. Um, we're talking, that all includes like emails, um, especially with providers, documenting interactions with providers. Um, every little thing you have to document because what they say, if you don't, if you don't document it, 
it didn't happen. And trust me, the clients, offenders, probationers, they will go into court and say, no, that's not true. That never, I never said that. I never did that. And you need to be able to pull those narratives up and say, yep, on this date at this time, he told me he finishes some abuse classes. I called and I spoke to this person at this provider and they told me that it's not true. He was kicked out. You got to be able to do that. Have to. I don't 100%. You agree, Britt? So even though we hate the paperwork, it's very vital and very necessary for your job. It just seems like there's just so much. It is. It's it's, it's and it's unending. Like it never stops. It's always paperwork to be done. It's like you think you're getting through some of it, and a whole bunch more is coming your way. It's crazy. Exactly, because you have to do that for every single person on your caseload. So it's yeah. like you're you're never ever going to be done because no. you always have to see these people whatever their requirements is once a month, once every two weeks. I got some people I got to see once a week, you know, depending on their risk level, depending on any kind of sanctions that they have. Um, it's a lot. You know what I mean? Like, especially, you know, I'm, I'm in drug court. We see these clients a lot. You know, we have a lot of meetings about them to discuss them and their progress. Well, I know they filed a real thing. Yes, and you have to constantly document all that. Because if you don't document it, it didn't happen. Exactly. Trust me, the supervisors will look, will sit there, and they will look through all your notes because they want, they want to, they're basically living through the caseload through your notes. Now, my dislike is supervising drug tests, watching people pee. That was a struggle for me. <laughs> I hated that part of the job. Oh, I said I wasn't gonna say hate, but I really did hate that part. It was really because of the smell of some of those people. Some of them were so disrespectful, and you had to go in there like multiple times. And not only was I watching my, my you know, my caseload use the restroom, but other officers as well. So I wasn't used to, you know, interacting with them. Yeah, it was, that was probably my least favorite thing. Did you, do you supervise your ways? You don't do that, I right? do supervise, I do supervise uh, drug screens. Um, I, I don't, I can't necessarily I say it's a, it's a thing I dislike. It just is what it is. Um. I don't think I have a particular feeling about it. It just is what it is. And it um, disrupts most... your day. Let me know POs out there if it disrupts your day. They will call well, your I office part... while you're with a client and be like, hey, I need you to come do this UA. Like, damn. That that does happen a lot. And that does happen a lot. And the whole point of it, and what kind of what she's beating around the bush, was trying to say is, is because you have to do um same-sex drug screens. So with me, if I need to get a female officer to do a drug screen, it can sometimes can be like pulling teeth, trying to find somebody. Yes. You know? And um, vice versa for the males. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think, well, I don't know about your department, but there's more, there are more female officers than there are male officers, but there's more male probationers than there are female probationers, if that makes sense. So, yeah, for us, that was the case. And we only had, like, maybe at a time we would have one male officer in the office for the whole freaking day, usually. And so it's kind of hard if this person is actually doing their caseload and seeing their people, <laughs> you got to keep calling them, waiting for them to come available to do your UA. Mm-hmm. And of course, and we all have of females, play we games. all had males that we needed UAs on. We had to wait for this one male PO that we had. Mm-hmm. And they always want to play games and oh, I can't pee or I just pee before I got here and blah, blah, blah. And you waiting and waiting. They try to they try to time you out. I'm like, listen, man, you yeah. either, I give you two hours, you either pee or it's going to go going as a refusal. It is what it is. I'm not playing games. I don't got, to, I don't got time for all this. But then again, I, that I, you know, waiting for them to pee, that can tie you up, you know, if you have anything else planned. You know, I might want to just, do, I might just had a couple of office appointments. I was going to go into the field, you know, go check some providers out, or I might go try to get a couple home contacts in. But no, nah, I can't because I got to wait for you to pee now. Exactly. So, I guess that, that is a good dislike. Okay. Um, my next dislike is, I don't know about your, your, your department. And like I said, guys, and when we post this, um, go to the IG page and leave a comment. I don't know about you guys, but in my department, there are just a lot of steps and procedures when it goes to doing filing court paperwork. There's just a lot of it. Like, um, if I, if we're going to use delegated authority to, you know, have somebody, you know, put somebody in ankle monitor or something like that. There's just a lot of steps involved. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta prepare it. To gotta surprise has to approve it. You gotta print it, then you gotta take it to the clerks and swear to it. Then you gotta go find the offender, 
meet with them, have them explain it to them, have them sign it. Then you got to bring the signed copy back, give it to the clerks. The clerk's got to enter in the computer. You got to get you a copy for your file. It's just a, then you got to narrate everything, every single step of the process. There's a lot of stuff, and then especially if you're doing a probation violation and you're trying to get a warrant. There's even more steps involved. It's just I feel like this ties into your number one is paperwork. Yeah. But I think I think the part that really is really hard though is for a lot of new officers is that there's so many steps that it's hard to remember everything. Yeah, but once you get down, you got it. Yeah, once you get once you once you've done a few, you get it. But even now, I still like forget a step or have to go back and do a step. Um, just because there are so many different steps. I know some some people have like cheat sheets, you know, when they put, okay, you gotta do this, 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 and this, but Every situation, then there's different situations where the steps might be a little bit different, you know. Mm-hmm. So that that's that was one of my dislikes. Just just a lot of steps. When I was a juvenile officer, it wasn't this hard. It really wasn't this hard. <laughs> and I, I think that's because we had we had we had uh, probation aides, and their whole job was once I prepared a violation, they processed everything and got everything done. So all I had to do is type it up, and they did the, they did the rest. We're supposed oh, to yeah. hear we do everything. So. That's, that's my, one of my dislikes. My dislike is going to be um, the risk assessment. <sighs> I don't know about y'all, more. but them risk assessments, they take they took so much of your time. I think that was, you know, why I didn't like the UAs as well, because it takes so much of your time. A risk assessment could take like an hour, hour and a half if the person is talking a lot. I know you do risk assessments where you are, Chris, right? Yours mm-hmm. don't take as long as, as an hour, hour and a half? Um. They can. So ours, ours are divided into two parts. There's one part that's like a questionnaire that they do. And what I do is I assign that to them. And I tell them to have it completed and bring it back to me. And those are just like, uh, like kind of like multiple choice type questions. Then the second part we do is called officer interview. And that part has set questions that we have to go over with them. But I'm, I'm to the point where I've done it so many, I can kind of go through it fairly quickly. Right. Then you got to take everything and put all the answers in the computer. You yeah. Know I mean? That takes a little bit of time because you got to like transpose everything from written over into the computer. Yeah. You, but you got to keep that written one in the file, though. You got to yeah. keep the written one in the file. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I could, uh, yeah. Yeah. A, 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 I don't know. I don't have, like I said, I don't really have issues because I have a system down. Like I said, I'm, I've done them so much. I have a system. But I'm sure there's officers that are, they kind of get flustered doing it. Yes. Especially if you have 150 people on your caseload. And you have to do risk assessments on all of them. You have deadlines for these risk assessments. They start that's, back that's up true. real quick. That is true. Those <laughs> deadlines. And I don't know about you. With us, we have to redo them every year. Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Or if something yeah. happens where you need to uh, re, you know, redo it. Say they get a new yeah. offense, then we have to redo it. <laughs> yeah. They get a new arrest, new offense, you got to redo it. Yeah. New conviction, you redo it. Yep. I know there's so, some counties in, out there or some agencies out there where they have specific people who just do strictly risk assessments, which I would love that. Let me y'all comment. Let us know if you if your department has a special person who's assigned to just do strictly risk assessments. Now, would you love it to be that person to do them? That's all you have to do. Or you love it that you guys pass that off to somebody else? No, that's a question. Would you? I, would, would I would you love like to it? pass that off to somebody else. I would not do that. Okay, absolutely not. Okay, that's where you're going. The same with questions it. over and over. Oh no. Mm-mm. I got. I was you. thinking I about you. risk assessments in my sleep at one point because I was doing so many risk. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Oh boy. All right. So, uh, so my next is like, and I think this one is kind of specific to the particular county I work in, um, in my state. Because it's just as different from how things were when I was a juvenile officer. Is that we have a lack of like relationship with local law enforcement, and I know that's one of the questions that we always ask people during our interviews. Is you know what's your relationship with law enforcement? Just because, like I said, it's drastically different for me now than it was when I was a juvenile officer. And I think that's because I'm in a larger department, or I'm in a larger uh, city, and there's just more officers on both sides, more probation officers, there's more law enforcement officers in terms of the police department, sheriff's office. So you don't get to really build that relationship. Whereas opposed, I, I had that when I was a juvenile officer. So that's something I kind of miss. I mean, there's a couple people I know, you know, in the police department or the sheriff's office, but there's many, there's so many more I don't know. And I have this, 
it's beneficial to have that relationship because then the it, the flow of information is better when you know people. Absolutely, so I that's agree one of my one hundred percent. My dislike is it my turn now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I dislike playing bill collector. I don't know how it is where you are, Chris, because I don't think we've ever touched on this. But a mm. big, big part of my job was making sure all those fees were paid before the case expired. And if they weren't, some people, you know, you was getting a clank, clank. I, I hate to say that, but it's very true. Uh. Like probation fees, court fees, restitution, things of that nature. We were constantly, constantly staying on people about paying the money, paying the money. We even had uh, what they call them, financial meetings or something they call them where we would bring the people in who were like way behind on fees. Like I literally felt like a bill collector. Wow. Uh, okay. Wow. That's, um, that's interesting. So, so where I'm at, we don't really, we, while we address financial obligations with them during our uh, monthly meetings, it's kind of like, we encourage you to pay it. We want you to pay. If you make payments, we'll track them and stuff like that. But, we don't arrest people for not paying money. That's one thing we don't do. Um, and most, most we would do is when they get close to like, you know, like four months before their probation expires, then we'll go ahead and cite them to court. And then they have to go in front of a judge and explain to the judge why they didn't pay their money. And nine times out of 10, the judge will probably just remit it unless it's restitution. Mm-hmm. And right. I've seen, I mean, I've that's seen similar here for felonies. Different let me, let me kind of clarify. things with restitution. Let me let me clarify, Chris. That's what you just stated is similar how it is here for felony cases. But when I say they get the clink clink, it's really the misdemeanor cases if they're behind on court fees and court costs. Like the courthouse, they will issue a warrant. They will have an is- a warrant issue for the person over money. Court fees. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. That's why when everybody when anybody would come in that had a misdemeanor case. You know, I have to reiterate that so many times. Like, listen, they do not play. They don't care. You don't pay this money. That warrant is coming. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I can, so I can see how that would be a big dislike. I mean, like I said, for me, it's not. It's either you do or you don't. It's not really a big deal. It doesn't really affect, you know, it's a little bit more paperwork I have to do if we get to that point. But in terms of anything else, I mean, it's not that bad. But dang, they got, you got, you got a lot of people up over money. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. So my next dislike, and I think you'll agree with this one, Brittany. People that have multiple cases of probation. Oh my God. Are you on probation? You get a new case of probation. (laughs) And then you get another case of probation. I got a guy right now, he has six cases of probation. That's six cases you gotta track. That's six cases you have to violate. It's a lot of paperwork, a lot of things to keep track of. Different cases have different requirements, different conditions that they have to do. It can be a lot. A whole Why? lot. Oh, I hate it. Why? Why? I don't understand. I'm trying to understand Cause you that Because you, y'all don't want to lock him up so he's given more probation? Clearly, he ain't, he ain't learned from the first case of probation. Yeah, I always wonder why do they do that? Is it like a law? Like we have to give you probation no. because that no, is they just they, they try not to lock people up. And by day I mean but like six pro- come on now, six. <laughs> Stop. Stop. I mean, at least at least where I'm at. They they try yeah. to they, they they be going against our recommendations when it comes to locking people up sometimes. Oh so. you know what? That's about to be my dislike when they go against the probation officer's recommendation. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Who be now when you say that you talking about you talking about a DA, you talking about the judge. Listen, you know what? I ain't even gonna talk about the judge. I'm gonna talk about the DA's office when they go against <laughs> what the probation office recommends. Yeah. Oh, it'd be irking me. And then months later down the road, the person violates and we're back at square one. Like, dang, why you just didn't listen to me the first time? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like you're the DA, but you're going along with the, the defense's recommendation. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. It's like you can't yeah, take it personally, but sometimes it hurts. It hurts your little heart when they do that. I mean, it's not necessarily that. It's just like, especially when my big thing is if I have to, if I have to take the time to write up all these violations, it's a lot mm-hmm. of paperwork. 
Yeah. That's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of steps. I got to walk around this courthouse and move this paper all over this courthouse to get everything in line just to arrest you. <laughs> and then either I take you from the magistrate and they give you unsecured bond, which makes me feel like I've wasted my time. Or we finally make it to court and they're just like, uh, continue on probation. I wrote a six-page violation. What are you talking about continuing on violation? He literally did the opposite of everything you asked him to do. And your response is continuing on probation? Yeah, one of our judges, they was like, at least when I when I sign this order for this person to go to prison, I want to make sure every single thing was done to avoid them going to prison. So, I mean, I, I gave it. I I it's, like, I, I, it's very well documented that we gave you chance after chance after chance, and you just still didn't do it. Or even worse, and I don't know if this happens to you, where you, where you know where you worked at was, you know, you go in there, you re- you, rec- you recommend revocation because you know they done messed up a whole bunch, blah blah blah, and they terminate them. Nah, just terminate. <laughs> yeah, I low key kind of like. Like, what though, kind of message are you sending? Hey. But you know what? They get paid the big bucks. They get right. they get they the ones that make the decisions, right? Absolutely. All right. All right. So my last dislike for being an adult probation or parole officer is what I call fighting the roster. Which I mean by that is, and I don't know how your system is. Our system tracks when we do our home contacts. It tracks when we do our um, office appointments. And then per policy, which is based on their risk level, it will tell you when their next stuff is due. And if you don't get it done by the time it's due, like let's say they kept missing their appointment or they had to keep rescheduling and it goes past, you know, 30 days from the last appointment, then it goes, then it, then it shows a red on your, on your caseload. And then the supervisor's looking at that and all they all they, they don't they don't read the notes or care why something happened, why you didn't get the appointment in, why you know they weren't home for you to see them. All they care about is the fact that this thing is red. You need to clear that red. That's all they care about. I don't know if that's how your system is set up. Yeah, it was pretty much the same way. We have printed out end of month reports and the supervisor will go over it, you know, see what hasn't been done, like in your case. But the, I had a really good supervisor that would actually go into your case and look at the notes. So if it was mm. something, you know, off, then they wouldn't trip on it. They'll just be like, you know, can you get this done as soon as possible? Nope, they don't care. All they all they know is all they say is it needs to be done by Friday. Whatever else you got planned. Um, it, that needs to be done by Friday. You know what I mean? So, like I said, fighting the roster, and it's because it's because it's every thirty days. The you know, it's it never ends. It's constantly going. I think I think it's only been like since I've been working here. I think it's only been like a couple days where I could sign on and nothing was in the red. You wait a couple days, things start popping up. In addition oh, yeah. to you know, like your home contacts, your field contacts, those are tracks. You know, when your your uh, those those risk assessments are, are due, it tracks that. Yep. It tracks when the cases are getting ready to expire. So you so it, so it tells you when you got to start um you know looking to take them back to court and things like that. It tracks all that. And like I said, you're constantly fighting that roster. Never ends. Well, I'm all out of dislikes. That was all my dislikes. All right, all right, all right. Let's go to likes. What do we like about being an adult probation officer? Right, I like I have the variety. Variety. Yeah, like that you're not always just sitting in the office all day. That is true. That is true. There's the, and there's days when that kind of goes along with um my my number one like it's you kind of make your own schedule. So I get to schedule when my appointments are. Um, I get to pick what days I want to go in the field. Um, we have to work shifts where we have to work um, in the evenings to go see people at their homes. I get to pick when those are. As long as I do, as long as you know they're within policy or whatever. Um, so I do like making my own schedule, but a variety is nice. Um, like today, I had I had court in the morning, and I was in my office in the in the afternoon um, with appointments. In addition to having you know doing paperwork and catching up on phone calls and things like that. So the variety is nice. Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely agree with that one. Um, I don't know about where you worked, but in my state, we get take-home cars. Big benefit. 
big like. <laughs> Why you like that so much? What's the big deal with that? I don't got to put wear and tear on my personal car. I don't got to use my personal gas. Um, but it's kind of a catch point too, because with you having their take home car, they can basically kind of call you up at any moment if they need something. You know what I mean? Hey, we have a absconder that got picked up. They're at the hospital waiting to get cleared. We need somebody to go cover shifts. They kind of got you because you have their take home car. You know what I mean? Or, you know, XYZ is going on. We need you to come in. They can do that because you have their take home car. How did you so, guys document? How do you document like where you go? Because we would have like mileage logs and we would put every single address. Do you guys have that? No. Well, we do have mileage logs. But we don't have to track every single address. Um, okay. You just track the from, the from the from when you start in the morning to when you end. You just track how many miles you wrote. How many, how many miles you drove? So that is, um, like I said, it is a, it is a big benefit. Um, but like I said, they kind of got you because they can kind of call on you after hours if they need stuff. Mm, yeah, that would suck. That yeah, that would be a no for me. But you know what? It doesn't I've happen never that often. That, so. It doesn't happen that often. There's been a couple times when they called me and, asked, and um, you know, I had to go do uh, hospital duty because like I said somebody got picked up. They resisted or something. They got hurt or something, or they claimed some kind of injury. So they had to go to the hospital. They needed they needed officers to you know stay with them until they uh, got off. It happens. It's very rare though. So do y'all have the option of taking home the car? Like, does everybody have the option of taking home a car? Yes, you, everyone's assigned a car, and everyone's given the option of taking it home. Oh, okay. So most officers do, just like I said, because of wear and tear and mileage and you know, gas and stuff like that. But there's some officers that don't. They still they prefer to just drive their regular car home, drive their regular car back to the office. But can you go wherever you want to in this car? Uh, no, there are rules. We can we can we can go to lunch, we can go to the bank, but that's about it. You know, you can't be taking the car, you know, to the grocery store. You know oh I mean? man, I'll leave that thing at the office. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's, trust me, the the mileage and wear and tear alone is worth it for me. Like I said, my per, during the week, how my personal part is chill. How long is your commute? Huh? How long is your commute to work? Well, it's changed because uh, I recently moved. So I went from uh, about a 15 to 20 minute commute to now I'm about to an hour. Oh my God. So the hour, oh, okay, maybe I would do take on. Yeah. <laughs> hour there, hour back. Yeah. With that 15? No, I wouldn't even waste my time with that take on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but like my, that, uh, to me, it's worth it. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of my likes. Is it my turn? Because I'm like going out yeah. of turn here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I like having an office. I feel like a big girl. Like when I started working as a probation <laughs> officer, I was, I came from a health, healthcare field. So I never experienced having my own office. I love that. And you could decorate it. It was real cute. Y'all probably saw it. If y'all haven't, y'all need to go to my YouTube channel. Y'all can see it. My YouTube channel name is Your Favorite PO. Okay. So look, anyway, that was a little shameless plug. But yeah, I really like that. Of course, you know, you, you, there's the privacy for the for the offenders, what I guess the major thing is, but I feel like a real big girl. Oh, having an office is nice. <laughs> it is nice having your own little space. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would eat lunch in there. I would just close my door, eat lunch in there, because, you know, I'm really, y'all probably don't know this, but contrary to popular belief, I'm really not a people person. I like to be alone. <laughs> It may not come off that way online, but... No, I don't believe it. What, Chris, Chris, hold on now, sir. I said contrary to popular belief, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, having having your own office is is really nice. Um, uh, Let's see what I have on here. I have likes specialty caseloads. All right, so I don't know what kind of caseloads you guys had. Um, back in your state, but here, sex offenders, drug offenders, alcoholics, yes. domestic violence, yeah, low yep. risk, high risk, <laughs> yep, all those gang, yeah, uh, <laughs> caseload, yep. So, especially caseloads are nice. Like when usually when you start out, you kind of you get general What's cases. Nice about it? Hmm? What's nice about it? You get to specialize in something. 
and usually the specialized caseloads have smaller caseloads than the line officers. So those I like are nice the fact too. that you get paid more. Depending where you are. My state, oh, you don't well, get in paid my more. area, we got paid more for specialty caseloads. Hey, put in the comments if on, on the IG page if you get paid more for having a specialty caseload. Inquiring minds want to know. And it was a pretty significant jump at times. Mm, what would be? I wish, I wish we had that here. Like I said, the only thing you're getting here is maybe a smaller caseload, but usually it's more of a headache, you know. Especially if you have like gangs or level ones, because those are more high risk people. You have to see them more often, and they're usually the ones getting in the most trouble. Heck yeah! Do y'all have veterans court? Uh, I think they have a predisposition veterans court in my county. But it's not a probation thing. It's it's because it's before you know before they're placed on probation. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. we had started up a, a veterans court like not too long uh, before I left, and I thought that was a good thing. Those vets they need some special attention, and they mm. deserve it. They've been they through a lot. <laughs> but so I think some of them kind of use it to their advantage too. Well, yeah. I mean, that's in in any case. I feel like people are gonna try to take advantage of what they can. Yeah. Uh, you have a like? Another like? Mm-hmm. I'm all out. I don't like that menages play. <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris. I thought I just went. I bet it's your turn again. We just talked about specialty caseloads. That was my thing. Alright, that's cool. I got another one. Okay, like, go what did you think then? Uh, doing special operations. So, uh, I've only done one since I've been here in uh, my current department. Where we did a a large it was it was us sheriff's office police department all the alphabet boys you know FBI U S marshals DEA and we did a large uh, operation going around checking on offenders um, doing searches um, you know serving warrants and things like that so that was that was fun um, like I said we've only done one in the in the time I've been here um, I think maybe COVID played a role with that. Um, but that was fun. That was that was a really nice thing. I definitely have some fond memories from that. Um, I got to uh, the first day um, was kind of more probation centered, where we uh, the police went out with us and helped us do searches on high risk offenders and gang members that are on probation. And then the second day, uh, POs partnered up with the police and the sheriff's office, and we went with them while they conducted. Um, roving patrols and conducted traffic stops. Mm. So that was kind of, that was fun too. I so wish yeah, I could have done something operations. like that. That does sound fun. <laughs> it is. It is. You got one? Do you have the option to do that? It's like, if a PO is like, oh, I don't want to do that, then, you know, they don't have to do that. Well, usually the way they do it is they'll they'll send an email out saying, "Hey, we're we're planning on doing an operation on these days and these days. Um, you know, we're looking for X number of volunteers. You know what I mean? And you kind of reply, put your name in the hat, um, and then they pick. So it's not like something that's mandatory that all oh, you know all, all officers have to do it. It would be like something you sign up for. And I think I think I did it for overtime, so it worked out. It was fun, and I got a little extra a little extra cash. Mm. Because oh, it, yeah. uh, it was, I think it was on the, it was on a weekend in the evenings. So yeah, I would like that extra cash part. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a okay. Friday night and a Saturday night. So yeah. One, um, one thing that I liked is that I didn't have to work weekends or holidays. I don't know if it's like that for everybody, but we never had to work a weekend or a holiday. Like we had so many holidays, and we had a good mm-hmm. amount of uh, sick time and like vacation time. I love that about the job. It's like a perk. That you didn't even know you needed until you get it. <laughs> that is that is very nice. Uh, the holidays are really nice. Um, they are where I'm at. They are very. Uh, they give you you get a good amount of sick leave and vacation leave every year. Um, and I always I always tell people make sure you take your time. Don't ever just let it build up and say oh, I'm fine. Take your time. It's yours. You earned it. Take it. If you're constantly just worried about your caseload and stuff like that, don't do that. You got to worry about you. Take if you have your time, use your time. Listen, I'll take, I'll take, I'll just, I'll plan random days just take off. You okay, I mean? absolutely. Shoot, it'll be a midday week. Random day. It's a random day. 
Um, so definitely use your time. Um, but my department, we do, we have to work one week in a month. Um, and we do have to work in the evenings. Uh, we have to work those called shifts. So we have to work four of those every month. You can work more, but a minimum is four. So the weekend? So, yeah, we have to work one weekend, like either oh. a Saturday or a Sunday. You don't got to work both. Unless you want to, but you don't really Once have a to. month. Once a month, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um and that's like I said, the whole point of that is to try to catch offenders at home. Um you know, if you're having troubles catching them during the week because they work or whatever, then you have a weekend to try to get a hold of them. Oh, when you said catch, I thought you meant like catch them doing something bad, but you meant just to like get because they're working or something. And I mean, sometimes you do catch them doing something bad because they don't think you're going to pop up on, on a Saturday or Sunday, and then you oh. do. Are they doing See, that's why people think probation is a setup. Somebody trying to catch them on a catch them on I the mean, that's, that's not the intention. It's not mm. the intention. Like I said, the whole point is to you know clear that uh, home contact that's due or about to be due. You know what I'm saying? That's really the whole point of it. But like I said, you do catch them off guard because you know who knows what who, you know who knows what they're doing on a random Saturday night when you pop up or check up on them. So I don't, I don't know. Do you think? Okay, go ahead. I was about to go off on a tangent, but I'm not gonna do it. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. You are the queen of tangents now. You know that. So <laughs> what's your next like? Uh, so my last like is, and I think this is more specific to my position. I like parole slash post release cases more so than probation cases. They're just easier. When it comes to the parole commission, post release commission, it's they're easier to deal with. There's if they mess up, they're going back to prison. There's no ands if or buts. There's no oh, let's try this, let's do that. No. They mess up, you let them you let the commission know, they issue a warrant, you get them, there's no bond on the warrant. So you don't want to worry about magistrate. It's a no bond. And they sit there. You have the hearing. You have a hearing officer come in and see them. And they're either they're either going back to do a three month re imprisonment and try again, or you know, hope, if you're lucky, they might get revoked and go to the rest of the time. They off your case load. So they're just easier to deal with. I didn't have no experience with that. That's why I'm all quiet over here. It's all crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Put in the comment. Put make sure you go leave a comment. And let us know if if you do both, or if you strictly work parole. Let us know what you think. Are they are parole cases just easier to deal with in terms of the process? I know a lot of people say like not from our perspective, but from an offender's perspective, they say parole is like easier for them just to be on versus probation too. Mm, I don't know if it's easier. I think I think parole has less. They might have less restrictions or less things they have to do. Right. That's why compared, they say it easy. Yeah. Compared, but it's also, it's a high, you know for a fact if you mess up, you're going back to prison. Well, yeah, of course. As opposed to probation. Saying, they... Depending on the judge, depending on the DA, you might do some jail time. You might not. You know what I mean? So yeah. a lot of a lot of probationers, they just roll the dice. Absolutely. You know, they've been in the system long enough. They know. Well, my last like is going to court. Like, that was a thing that I really enjoyed. Like, sitting oh, in there and listening to how things go. It's a dislike. Uh, it's because you're a drug war officer. You're like, you're in there a lot. But for a, a regular a line court, officer yeah. who didn't get to have that court experience that often, I really liked it. Like, it was very scary for me to do my first... Um, the first time I had got subpoenaed to testify, like that was mm-hmm. scary, but it was also like fun at the same time. <laughs> because normal I, I people don't, don't get that experience. I'm like being grilled. I feel like I'm being grilled. I feel like I feel like I'm the one that's in trouble, not the probationer. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Because they're true. judging everything you did. Did you dot every I? Did you cross every T? Did you document everything? Do you have all the answers? And they ask, and sometimes they just ask the most randomest question. And you're just like, I don't recall. You know what I mean? Well, didn't my client tell you that he stubbed his left toe and it and this and this happened and that's why he couldn't do this? I'm like, what? 
Okay, well, testifying is not my like my favorite favorite thing, but just being in court and listening and seeing the whole process from start to finish, somebody oh, getting placed in probation, like I loved it. I mean, court's interesting because there's a flow and a certain amount of like orchestration to it. You know what I mean? Just the way everything proceeds. Yeah, like cool. I said, because yeah, it's like a pageantry involved with it. That's kind of interesting to watch, but. Yeah, I don't know. I get more tired of sitting in court all day than if I'm just out and about in the field, you know, going up to houses and doing stuff. Like, but sitting in court tires me more. It has to be an interesting day. Um, of course, not every court day is interesting, but you know, you got some interesting days, though. Mm. When some crazy stuff be popping off in the courthouse or the judge be going off on the uh, on one of the the people that's locked up. <laughs> oh, one of the inmates. That's where I'm looking at. These judges don't be going off. They don't. Oh, I've seen they some don't. judges go off. We had one judge. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna put that judge on blast like that. But yeah, they be going off. It'd be funny as hell. <laughs> mm. And we have some judges that are funny, but they don't. They don't ever go off. Off. They, they, some of them be funny though. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So I got a quick list here for likes and dislikes from when I was a juvenile officer. So I'm gonna kind of go run through them real quick. Run right, it. So start with my dislikes. So dislike again. Number one is paperwork, which I felt like. There was more paperwork in juvenile. No, there's more paperwork in adult than it was in juvenile. There definitely is way more paperwork, but it's still a lot. Um, my second dislike is distant placements. So in juvenile probation in, in Pennsylvania, if you if a juvenile gets sent to a, a like a reform school or like a facility, we still have to go see them once a month. So it's not like an adult when you put them in jail, they're in jail. You ain't got to worry about them till they get out. But juvenile, you just have to go check on them while they're in placement. And make sure they're getting the services that the county or the judge told them to get. So, and we'd have we have placements that are on the other side of the state, and you have to drive out there and go see them once a month. I hated that. I hated that, especially in PA, especially during the winter. There's, there was a couple times where I would head out, the roads would be fine. By the time I get to the middle of the state, it's like a black, it's like a blizzard, and I'd have to turn, I'd have to call my supervisor and be like, "Yeah, this ain't gonna happen." I turn around and drive back. So. That I didn't like. Uh, my third dislike is so we as juvenile officers in my county, and not every county in Pennsylvania is the same. There are six or seven counties, and there are six or seven different ways of doing things. In my county, we were armed, so we we carried firearms. But the issue that we had, which is my third dislike, is firearms in schools. Some schools allowed us to carry firearms. Some schools didn't. It made no sense. And, and a big part of when I was there was I was trying to work with the schools because they had to sign an agreement between the schools and our department allowing us to carry, carry our firearm in the school. And I was working with different schools trying to get them to sign the agreement. I think I got two schools to do it, but there were some schools that were just hard headed. No, 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 no. We're not going to allow it. I'm like, you do realize I'm a law enforcement officer, right? I don't, we don't care. You guys have a school resource officer that carries a firearm in school, but you won't let me do it. Well, I don't know. We have to go through a process and we have to get the board of education to approve it. And then we come up with all these different kinds of excuses. I just think it was like one of those things where it's like, it's been like this for so long. We don't really want to change it. Mm-hmm. So we'd have a list of what schools you carry in, what schools you can't. So, I, you know, there'll be days where I'll go see a kid at one school, carry my gun in. No problem. I have to go to the next school. I got to lock my gun up in the car made no sense to me. So that's one thing I didn't like. The fourth thing, which every juvenile officer will agree on, is the parents. The parents, (laughs) the parents, the parents. They, You end up realizing they are the problem. They are why the kid is the way they are. are, They'll make every excuses for the kid. Um, I've had kids abscond, and the parents are hiding them, sending them to different family members. I'm like, this makes no sense. Then the fifth thing, which kind of goes back to the fourth thing, is absconding. I can never understand how a kid, a juvenile, a teenager who's 13, 14, 15 year olds can abscond. When I grew up, I can imagine not living at home. Where else would I be? I'm going to be home. That's where I live. No, these kids will take off and disappear. They will go into the next city over, they'll go to the next county over, and just go live with a random friend. I. I got kids. My kids' friends can't come over to stay with me for months. 
No, that's not a thing. But Mm-mm. for them, it was amazing. I can never understand it. They would just abscond and be gone for months. I just, I just don't understand. I'm like, how do you eat? How are you changing your clothes? <laughs> makes no sense. They figure it so out, those I guess. Five, I, I, it's usually the parents. The parents are bringing them stuff or buying them stuff or giving them money. I'm like, you're not, you, your kid ain't in school. You don't care. Just because they got in trouble and you don't want to be held accountable. Anyway, so real quick. Uh, so my five that likes for being a juvenile probation officer. I definitely make sure you guys leave comments on the IG page, whether you agree or disagree. Uh, I liked working in schools. That was fun. Going to schools, um, working with the, you know, talking to the principals and the guidance counselors and kind of, you know, getting the information on how the kids are doing in school. I like that part. Um, I did like visiting juveniles in placement. Yeah, I hate, the, I hate going to the distant placements, but the close ones, I like doing that. Um, we had an ability to be creative in ju- well, in juvenile probation. I don't know if it was just my department, but they allowed us to try different initiatives. So one thing I had started was I started a uh, community service car wash because I was having issues with my kids being assigned community service as part of a, you know their sanction from the court. And they wouldn't they would have the troubles finding somewhere to do it at. So what I did was I started on the weekends, I started doing uh car washes for the um public safety. So fire trucks, uh ambulances and police cars. Um uh, we would do it at one of the police stations. They would you know provide us the access to the water, you know, the uh the county donated like car washing supplies and they would do it and kids would kids would show up do their community service and wash the police cars interact with the police outside of a, my I way I build it was they were able to interact with the police outside of being in trouble and you'd be surprised many kids like that you know just watching the kids and the officers talk while they go out there washing the cars and you'd be surprised how many kids had never washed a car before didn't know what they were doing you know what I mean so they actually learned something too oh um, yeah in addition, I think that's great yeah, that was a big thing too. Um, also, I also started um, SRO meetings, where once a once a I think it was once every other month, um, my department invited all the school resource officers um, in our county to our office once a month for a meeting, and we would talk about different trends that we were seeing on the probation side. They would talk about trends they're seeing, you know, being police officers in the schools. Um, we would have different providers come in to do like little, you know, speeches or, you know, uh, talk about different things they provide, they provide so that the officers can refer them to different programs and things like that. So I started that actually, um, actually on my page is actually a video. We actually invited my wife who worked for CPS in our County child protective services in our County, where she actually came over and talked about what child protective service does during that SRO meeting. That's actually on my, uh, my, my uh, Instagram page. If you ever want to look that video up. That private uh, Instagram page. Yeah. But you know, if, if you're a PO and you send me a, a invite and I can verify you a PO, you're going to get accepted. You know, that's just, but that's a good thing, I'm, though. I'm, I like that, the I'm, SRO meetings. Okay, that's I'm, dope. I'm that's not, that shows that you're really trying to help these kids. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Y'all putting y'all so, heads together, uh, figuring it out. Yeah, so we did that. Um, I liked uh, the area I worked in was tight knit, so I was able to work with all the different, all the law enforcement officers in the in that area. I knew them; they knew me. They could call me and let me know if something's going on with one of my offenders, juveniles. Um, I would kind of give them tips and things if I'm hearing things going on in the community. Because you'd be surprised. The kids would talk to me as the PO more about stuff that's going on than they would talk about, you know, talk with their parents or talk to the police about, you know what I mean? So I would give them that kind of information. So I really liked that because I said it was, it was tight knit. They all knew me because I was the officer for that area. There was nobody else. It was me. So they got to know me. I got to know them. And I could always call, call, on, call on them for help if I needed it. And the last thing here is trainings. When I was juvenile officers, I really enjoyed doing trainings um, with that department. We did a lot of firearms training. They actually sent me to be a firearms instructor, which I really appreciated. Um, I attended active shooter trainings with the the law law enforcement departments I worked with. Um, So those were fun. Um, We'd have trainings involving different resources that are available in the county. And yeah. 
things like were that. those trainings so, offsite or at at your office at your job? Both. Some would be offsite. Um, some some they would uh, invite different people to our office to come, you know, talk to us about different resources that are available. So it was Ooh, both. I forgot that one. That was a good one, Chris. I forgot that one. That's one of my likes. I like the training. We would do out-of-state training sometimes. Oh, I would love that because they would pay for your uh, room and board and they pay for your food, get your little stipend or whatever. I love that. Yeah, that's how it would be when they sent us to, uh, I don't think we did any out-of-state training, but we've done like out-of-county trainings. They would send us, you know, put us up in a hotel, uh, give us a stipend for food and things like that. So those are fun, yeah. Yeah, so, those are fun. Those are our top likes and dislikes. Um, so please, y'all, make sure you uh, head over to the Instagram page and start dropping some comments about your experiences, what you like and dislike, about either being a juvenile probation officer or being a doll officer. And we upload every Tuesday, guys. Two Hats Tuesday, 7 p.m. New episodes go live. Make sure you DM us on Instagram if you would like to be featured. And don't forget to follow us and join the family. Share it. Tell a friend. Tell a friend what we're doing over here at Two Hats Podcast. Yep. Hey, remember, we are trying to grow this platform. We are here trying to promote the probation, parole, community corrections, community supervision, pretrial services, feds, state, local county we're trying we're trying to promote it all we want to hear your stories we want you to uh, listen to other people's stories so also if you, you know you want to do an interview send us a dm we'll set something up all i already right. said that chris what i'm saying don't be taking my lines i did <laughs> all right so uh make sure you guys like share subscribe uh we're all we're on youtube spotify anchor fm Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all this, all the podcast platforms. Make sure you guys follow us. Make sure you like, um, leave some comments. Check us out on our Instagram page. You can check out uh, Brittany's Instagram page and her YouTube channel. Big up because that's how that's how all this started. Um, you can send me a follow request, and you know, we'll see if I, see if I accept it or not. You know, we'll see. Until next time, you guys be safe out there. Bye.